right, happy Friday. Oh, these weeks are long. They are brutal. They are tiring. They are tough. It's hard. The times are weighty. What's at stake in 109 days? It's all on the line. And 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 you turn on the TV, you watch what's going on, you read the news, and it is just... It, these are heavy, tough times we're living in. And this is the most pivotal election, biggest choice election in the... In the history of this country, as far as I'm concerned at this moment, and it's all on the line. You know, as I watched now and I'm I'm arguing and I, I don't know if the polls will ever reflect it. You know, there's always a bias in so many of these polls in terms of methodology, the numbers of Democrats, the oversampling of Democrats versus Republicans, registered voters uh, versus likely voters. Um, Rasmussen said this race has tightened considerably. I argue it will tighten whether they want to admit it or not more in light of, of what has just happened and transpired in the last week and a half. And now Joe Biden has done something that very few candidates do. And I think it's a biggest sign of weakness. And that is that he, he's now had to, instead of running to the center, have the, having the nomination, He's now running to shore up what is the most radical base of this new Democratic Socialist Party. And that's exactly what he's doing um, to literally lift the exact language. Um, some might accuse him of plagiarism, which is not new for Joe Biden. The exact verbiage, the exact language of Bernie Sanders, Bolshevik Bernie's radical socialist agenda you know, if you just go back a few years, I got to tell you something, you know, and I, I understand this is now appealing to people. But the thought that a radical socialist saying and identifying themselves as a socialist could could be now running the Democratic Party and forcing its nominee to if you want the Bernie people, you're going to have to adopt the Bernie agenda. Bernie's bragging that he got Biden to do it all. Well, you know, as you mentioned, we put together a number of task forces with the Biden campaign. One of them was on health care. Uh, he, in fact, moved uh, a whole lot, many areas. So anyway, um, they're now, you know, it, everything that the socialists have always, always promised the people it's always it sounds great on paper, doesn't it? For a minute, you know, you have the history of socialism, a history of failure, a history of dishonesty and broken promises. When you know now that he's going to take on the Bolshevik Bernie economy, I mean, uh, you know, Bernie had tens of th Bernie had you know crowds. Joe doesn't have crowds. Bernie preaches class warfare. He lives on it. He thrives on it. It's manna from heaven for him. You know, abolishing all student death, health care free, re-engineer the U.S. economy, you know, the, the very definition of, of socialism. Then you add to that adding AOC in this radical Green New Deal and then Bezo Bozo O'Rourke and, and the gun czar that brags about, yeah, you're damn right, we're going to be taking your AK-47s. What is the Green New Deal, you know, what are they promising that Biden is, is pledging to adopt with AOC? Now he's got to, he had to reach out to Bernie he had to appease him. He has to appease AOC. He's appeasing the, the Beto Bozos. And then he's got Pelosi and Schumer. That's 125 years worth of swamp failure and, and broken promises. 
But believe us this time, because we're going to guarantee you a, a job with a sustaining wage and and family and, and medical leave and and guaranteed government vacations, guaranteed retirement. Well, Social Security, Medicare, are both going broke, but nobody's ever mentioned that in any any recent times that I've heard. And you're going to have high quality health care. Here we go again. Keep your doctor, keep your plan and what? Save money? You know, affordable, safe housing. Okay, Um, has anyone ever been to some of the nation's housing projects? Because I have been. They've not worked out well at all, sadly. Um, Providing, you know, all of this. They they, they can't even in these cities provide fundamental safety for their residents. You see it in Portland now every night. You see it in, you've seen it in Seattle. You see it every weekend in Chicago. You see it in New York. Look at all the violence and and death this week alone. We're going up to, what, 1,300 cops around the country now that have been injured. Um, Now, you know, you saw the incident of the cane or the bat, whatever it was, that, you know, clobbering, blindsiding a New York City police officer, winding up with a full-on 100% swing on the top of the guy's head. It could have killed him. Um, But they're providing all of this is free. You're going to get all the education free, student loan forgiveness. That's all free. We're going to have 100% of the lifeblood of America's dynamic, most dynamic economy on the face of the earth. Well, that's now going to be through clean, renewable, zero emission energy sources. And then they want to upgrade. By the way, that's a mandate for every building that exists in America. My comrade de Blasio, who's, who's, who's going to be able to afford all of that? We're going to upgrade. How much is it going to cost to upgrade every house in America to achieve their, quote, energy efficiency goals? You know, the transportation system, eliminating, you know, zero emission vehicles. What is that going to do to the car industry? What about the millions and millions and millions of Americans that make their money fracking and coal and oil and the lifeblood of our economy? We finally just got energy independence. Now we're going to. We're going to scrap that. We're now the world's number one producer of the lifeblood of the world's economy. We're just going to eliminate all of that. You know, I thought Solyndra was supposed to impact all of that. That that didn't work either. So these promises are numerous. And the reality is all you need is a fundamental calculator. And you got to start thinking, well, how are we ever going to pay for it? $94 trillion and new green deal, 10 years Zero greenhouse gas emissions, all these promises of everything being free. How's Biden paying for some of it? His guy was on MSDNC saying, of course, he's going to rescind the Bush tax, uh, the, the Trump tax cuts. OK, that's just the beginning of where this goes. You now have governors and mayors. They're going to massively raise taxes. What of these what of these cities that have been run by liberal Democrats for decades? They're not even providing fundamental basic security for the citizenry, the men and women, the children, the grandmas and grandpas and moms and dads that you can't even feel safe in the backyard on the 4th of July or in a park in New York. Or if you make a wrong turn in Atlanta and it's a war zone in Chicago, I mean, but they're going to provide all of this and and we're going to be it's all going to be free. Well, I'm going to tell you there's nothing in life that is going to be free. All of this has been tried. It has been tried in East Germany. It's tried in the Soviet Union, all the satellite Soviet states. It's been tried in Venezuela. It's been tried in Cuba. Everywhere they promised the moon, 
Uh, what did Obamacare promise? Keep your doctor plan and save money. How did that promise work out? Millions lost their doctor's plans, and everybody's paying on average 200% more. There's almost 40% of America's population. Now, that is one Obamacare exchange option, and that is it. You know, it is, I, 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 you know, I hate to give out these statistics, but it's a little scary. You got this violent crime, and again, what do they have in common? You know, uh, cities that have been run by Democrats for decades. Most of the states have also been run by Democrats for decades. You know, the city of Atlanta, start there. Their police department murders increasing by 6 from July 5th to 11. The seven-year-old uh, or the eight-year-old little child that was killed. You know, I mean, it is, uh, it is just unbelievable the amount, the increase in violence over a four-week period in the great city of Atlanta. I lived there four years. Ending July 11th, the city saw 17 murders, a 240% jump from the, the five recorded last year, 61 homicides so far this year, but only 48 reported in all of 2019. Chicago police reported 31 murders just from July 6th through July 12th, six days. 31 people dead, 31 fellow Americans dead, including a seven-year-old little girl. There was an eight-year-old little girl killed in Atlanta. A 417% increase from the six murders recorded during the same period of time last year. The city saw 116 homicides during the most recent 28-day period. Well, last year was only 41, not, on, not 116, and 41 is way too many. You see, in Houston, they've increased, by the way, murders there, 37%. I mean, we're not protecting. If, if government has a role, is it not first safety and security? Los Angeles, major surge in violence in Los Angeles. 49 shootings, 14 fatal shootings from July 8th, you know, from just from the end of June. New York City, we've been telling you all about New York, 277% increase uh, in terms of the number of shootings that have occurred. If you look at 49 incidents from July 6th to July 12th, well, there were only 13 last year. NYPD, 60 victims from this year's incidents, I mean, massive increases. And what do they do? They get rid of their number one street crime fighting unit. They t defund the police by a billion dollars. Portland po police, you know, are under siege and under fire. Cops are retiring in record numbers and, and people are leaving in droves. They've had it. They know that they can't do their job any longer and they don't have the support if they do. You know, New York with their idiotic no bail policies. I mean, it's this is nothing but madness. It's absolute madness. Uh, in case you're interested, I think this was in Chicago. Uh, where was it? Uh, oh, yeah, Old Town. It was three people, five-month-year-old five little boy shot yesterday. A five-month-old kid. I've watched Lawrence Jones now interview the, the father and the grandmother of the one-year-old shot in Brooklyn outside of a park. He interviewed the family of the, the seven-year-old that was murdered in Chicago. I interviewed Horace Lorenzo Anderson Sr. I mean, does that not break your heart? Are we saying that we can't protect Americans? There's, you know, with all the offers of help and support that the president has given that, you know, I had on last night on TV, the interim head of the Department of Homeland Security is in Portland. The, the governor of, of Oregon, the mayor of Portland said, go home. Before you go, clean up the graffiti. I'm like, what? 
when they're offering to help save lives and give support to police officers that desperately need it? You know, the NYPD chief, you know, describing after the Brooklyn Bridge assault where the guy winds up with that stick or bat, whatever it was, cane, its morale as low as it's ever been. You know, the man questioned finally in the killing of the one-year-old. You know, again, I keep saying this is these are our kids. These are innocent Americans. Chad Wolf confirms federal troops have been deployed to Portland. Our law enforcement officers are going to respond in kind. They have to. Otherwise, they're going to burn down these federal buildings. Can't allow that to happen. That's called anarchy. You know, it's, um, I, I, you know, I, I just, I'm shocked. The things, the, the racial slurs being hurled at, at police officers, rocks, bricks, you know, bats, canes, um, Molotov cocktails, bricks, knives, guns. This is what they're facing every day. It's on the ballot, by the way, in 109 days. And if you want to know what America is going to look like, take a look at how all these, you know, Democratic cities and states have done. Why are people leaving New York, California, all these big cities and droves? I don't mind if you leave. And by the way, tax revenues in New York are in a free fall. Oh, receipts for June, $475 million below projections, according to Andrew Cuomo's budget. Oh, you know what's going to happen there? It's going to come and raise taxes through the roof. Another reason tax to say rich, goodbye. Tax the rich, tax the rich. We did. Now, we did. God forbid the rich leave. They're leaving. Bye-bye. Between the coronavirus, epic fail, and now no safety. And as we roll along, 800-941-SEAN, if you want to be a part of the program. Seattle City Council member is suggesting that they're going to reduce the police force there by half. Um, and that means a lot of cops are going to be fired. And apparently the city council, member name is Lisa Herbold is, oh, her solution is fire officers based on race. Okay. Let me make a prediction. If they do that, they will be the victim of one of the biggest lawsuits in the history, uh, of, uh, that great city. Good luck with that. Um, Trump is now pledging again to restore order to America's cities. We see the beginning of this last night uh, with the Department of Homeland Security. Chad Wolf, who was like, <laughs> the governor said, go home. Mayors, go home. Get out of Portland. First, clean up the graffiti on your buildings, the federal buildings there. Um, he said, I'm not going home. You know, <laughs> no, it's not going to happen. By the way, the high-ranking police official, three other officers who were injured during confrontations on the Brooklyn Bridge, the Bronx man who punched NYPD Chief Terrence uh, Monahan and two other officers during the protests, released without bail. Thank you, Andrew Cuomo and, and Bill de Blasio. Um, I, I mean, I don't even know what to say. Get this sad story from Philly. A pregnant woman has now died after being shot in the head. Uh, in North Philly. This is Linda's old territory. Four months pregnant, sitting in an SUV, visiting friends and relatives. Man opened the door of the vehicle, shot this innocent woman in the head. Taken to Temple University Hospital. She died there. 25 years old. And wow. Did you have to see what's happening? Wolf answered the Portland mayor and said, no, we're not leaving. The crimes that are happening against officers are... Um they're very easily to speak about because we're also seeing them on the news. Um, we have had 
close to 20 homicides in the city of Minneapolis since Memorial Day. We've had upwards of 140 people shot in our city since Memorial Day, including a murder that just happened yesterday. We're averaging two to three shootings a day. And, that's, and that, that message is not out there. That message is the crime is rampant in Minneapolis right now. It is lawlessness over there, and the criminals are emboldened right now to do whatever they want to do. Open-air drug sailing, gun violence, clearly, robberies, assaults. It's, I mean, it's, it's almost every 20 minutes, appears. I mean, that is about as sad as it can be. You know, you, you have a Minneapolis officer. Crime is rampant. It's lawlessness open-air drug sales everywhere, guns every 20 minutes. That's a police, Minneapolis police officer's plea to lawmakers for help, saying his, his city is being ravaged by rampant crime, open drug sales, all of this. It's rampant. Well, you're cutting the police. And you have this, you know, this woman saying, well, we're going to fire police, some police officers, this is in Seattle, but based on what your race is. How does that restore order? How does Portland, Oregon, telling the Department of Homeland Security interim secretary to go home, but first clean up the, but first clean up, you know, the graffiti? How does that help? By the way, Pat Robertson's calling in. He's a religious uh, broadcaster, educator, by the way, Christian Broadcasting Network. Everyone knows about the 700 Club. By the way, that was the longest running television program in U.S. history. And uh, he has a new book, I Have Walked with the Living God. He, uh, Reverend, I know, how old are you now, may I ask? Hey, Sean, I'm, I'm, I've just turned 90 a little while ago, so I'm going wow. strong. <laughs> yeah, well, God bless you, and uh, uh, congrats on your new book. I'm very happy to hear about it. How are you feeling? Well, I'm feeling great. I, I tell you what, I work out about, uh, you know, three times a week, the lift weights, do all that kind of stuff, and I'm... I'm I'm going strong. I've I've got a pacemaker. I've got a titanium knee. I'm I'm uh, short of prostate and a few other things, but I'm I'm still uh, I, I do four days a week of shows on television wow. across the nation and run a university and so forth. So I've I've got a lot of stuff going on. What a life you've had! You're the son of a U.S. senator. You went in the Marines after college. You became a second lieutenant in the Korean War. Um, you know. I'm not the most religious person in the world, but I, I do believe in God. I'm one of the, the, the Christians that needs the saving part. Um, and, you know, I look at, you know, that's always been your anchor. And I guess this is a big part of your book that, you know, there is a living God. And, you know, things get a little bit depressing. And I just I'm like almost hoping. Can you come back soon and fix this place? Because I don't I don't know if man can do it. Uh, Sean, you know, in this trouble, you've been pointing out the the terrible uh, strife that's going on in our country. This is like anarchy. Uh, they're tearing down statues of Jesus. They're tearing down statues of every hero we've ever had. And there's anarchy. And I believe people want so much to know that there's a God in heaven, that there's somebody who cares that this world is not completely out of control. And so I hope my book, I Walk with the Living God, will touch some people and let them know that there is hope that God hadn't given up on this nation. You know, I, 
I, I just I found as I get older in life, and I don't have the longevity genes you do, um, and, and my stress level is a little bit out of control right now. I'm not going to lie. And, um, you know, I'm just thinking that, you know, at the end of the day, if you believe that there is a God and he's the creator of every man, woman, and child on this earth, and that man's struggle is that they're a fallen being and that people have a propensity for good and evil, you know, I believe that the good outnumber the evil by a long shot. And I, I, you know, if anything, I would argue that the human, you know, you know, mighty's, I guess, uh, strong is the, the desire, but weak is the flesh, I guess is a, a common quote in the Bible. I know I didn't say it well, um, but the desire is strong. The heart is there, but, you know, the pull of the flesh, I guess, is weak. And I'm not talking about any one sin. Um, do you believe, as I do, that most people are good people? Uh, I, I think we have within us, you know, uh, one of the things that I want to point out in my book and others, we are made as tripartite beings. We have a, we have a body, we have a spirit, and the two together make up a soul. And we are created in the image of God. And we are, can be like God. We, we have enormous power if we give it to the Lord. But at the same time, there's an enemy who wants to destroy us, who hates humanity, who hates uh, the people created in God's image, and they do everything to destroy us. All this drug addiction. Can you imagine somebody made in the image of God that's a slave to, to a bunch of, of, of weeds? I mean, you know, they're plants and vegetables. Cocaine, marijuana, all these things are vegetables. And we're supposed to be uh, in charge. He, he said, I'm going to give you dominion over the whole earth. And, and, and yet we're slaves to vegetables. I mean, this is so humiliating. You know, we're capable of so much more. And what I've been saying, for example, about all this violence is we're, we're the United States of America. And we could stop violence if we choose to. Um, you know, individually, we can all strive to be better people. I know I am striving. And I think when you put your heart and mind to it, you know, and I, I like your analogy about we're, we're mind, body, and soul. Um, yeah. If you put your heart to it and your mind to it, you know, it, you, you can only have a positive outcome. And But there is, there is insidious evil in this world, too. I mean, and I know it's an age-old question, you know, um, God allows this evil to occur, they say. People say, why does God allow that? What is your answer to that hard question? Well, uh, I think he's given man free will, and he, if he took our free will away, just imagine, Sean, if every time a person cursed God that his tongue rotted out, I mean, he'd be so scared he wouldn't do anything. God wants us to love him freely, and he wants us to do it with a free and open spirit. He doesn't want to compel us. He doesn't want to drive us. He doesn't want to harass us. You know, I, I've, I've run some institutions. I'm, I'm chancellor of a big university. I've got a lot of people working well, for yeah, me. I've, I've, I've spoken at your university. I don't know if you remember. I, I know you have, and you were a blessing. <laughs> but, you know, I, the people who work for me, I find they work much better if they're given freedom. You say, here's the course, now here's the goal, let's go get it together. But if somebody is harassed and they have fear, they lose their jobs, they're, they're working in fear, how can they perform? 
And I, I believe in freedom. I, I think we ought to be free. And that's the whole concept of America. We were, we were supposed to be free. And, uh, I, I, you know, that's the Declaration of Independence. And, and I, I believe in it. But, you know, I, I started the American Center for Law and Justice. You know, Jay Sekulow is a part of my book where I talk oh, he's about amazing. Him. He's a wonderful what? guy. And, but uh, I started the American Center for Law and Justice to fight the ACLU. And right. I ran for president, did all those things. But God, God gives me the anointing to do it. And he will give people the anointing if they just let him. If they, if they just will submit to him, it's really good. He's got nothing but good for us if we just let him do it. You know, this is a message I personally need to hear, and I think the country needs to hear. Um, it's so good to hear your voice. Uh, congratulations, uh, first on your 90th birthday. Uh, we'll put it up on Hannity.com. It's on Amazon.com. I have walked with uh, the living God. Uh, Pat Robertson, uh, we wish you all the best, and you're like the bionic man. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I don't think I'll ever reach the age of 90 by any shot. I don't have those longevity genes, but God bless you and all that you're doing, and thank you for sharing a message of hope with all of us. Thank you. Thank you, Sean. God bless you, friend. Thank you, sir. Wow. That was pretty powerful, wasn't it? Why are so many people afraid? You know, I think people have the wrong idea about Christians. And, you know, I'm, I'm like the last person that should ever talk about this stuff. But, I mean, there's really cool stuff. Like, when you look at the Bible, the very hairs of your head are counted. I'm like, what? You know, is mankind really designed to understand the majesty of, or this concept of the earth, the sun, the moon, the stars, the planets, the universes, the universes within universes within universes? I don't think we're designed to know that, but just marvel at it and know that mankind didn't do that and that there's something greater than ourselves, but yet that something greater somehow we're like a speck of dust in the mind of a creator that actually knows we exist. Um, and, you know, you talk about the power of prayer. I believe in all of that. You know, Linda, you're gonna, Linda's going to excoriate me because I don't go to Why? church as much as I should. I, well, you know I don't go. Well, I you mean, can watch online. I have. I have at times. By the way, has your church found out the two secrets yet? Okay, seriously, do you want to talk about the EIB? No, I want to talk about this. Has your church should found we drop out the, the mic? two secrets? I think we should drop the no, mic. No, no, no. Don't it's dare. It's coming. It's Don't coming. Two can play at this you, game. You can say no, but did they find out about Nobody the secrets? Nobody knows nothing. Nobody knows nothing. I need to show up there one day. Oh, yeah. You only live four million miles away. It's somewhere in Pennsylvania. I don't even know what town you're in. That's the way we're going to keep it, too. That's, I guess. Yeah. You're the worst secret keeper in the world. Apparently. Um but, uh, you know, there is something to this. And I do believe that, you know, this whole concept that America, you mentioned the Declaration, our, that's our founding document. Some think it's the Constitution. No, it's the Declaration of Independence. And I can do it a little bit better than Joe. Um, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights, among which are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Endowed by their creator. What does that mean? Those are God-given rights. that Endowed by God. And, you know, I'm not the most religious guy. I'm not. I'm not the biggest church guy. I was raised Catholic. I went to Catholic schools for 12 years. 
Um, I'm, I'm very beyond angry and disappointed at all that has transpired with the church. Not looking to pick fights with people about it. Um, but it was just, it's just unconscionable to me that, you know, this was allowed to occur. You know, people don't know, like in the Catholic Church, that for 1,100 years, the first years of the church, that priests were allowed to marry. And I just think when you reduce the pool to, you know, a very low 1% of people or 0.5% of the population, you just, you know, you, you're missing a, a good part of, of, of people that would want to be called to do something like that. Uh, certainly it's not my calling. Um, but I was, I was too incorrigible then and I'm too incorrigible now, I guess. But I believe it all. And I know that it's true, and I know I just believe in something greater. This didn't all just, you know, I say to atheists all the time, I'm like, all right, you believe, you look at the, the majesty of God's creation and universes within universes, and you believe what? That it all, that we had a big bang and that all smashed together and, and formed this, these perfect universes? All right, then my next question is, well, where did all of the energy come from? in terms of being able to have a big bang and then ended up in perfection. It just doesn't make sense to me because you're arguing at that point that something can come out of nothing and I don't believe that. I believe you know there has to be an, an originator or a creator of all of that and um, and I'm, I'm not pitting one religion against the other. I was just, you know, I believe in the Christian faith and you know, I watched the passion of the Christ that just the story is, is fascinating. And watching that movie is probably the most difficult thing you're ever going to watch um, if you're a Christian, if, you're, if you have that faith and that belief. And, you know, I just, you know, as we head into a point where we're making very important decisions about the future of the country for our kids and our grandkids, it does give you a nice moment to stop and to pause and to think and to, you know, pray even. Um you know, what, what is best for this country? Because it's certainly not statism. That's been tried. It's certainly not socialism. That's been tried. It's, you know, it's not politicians. We're not endowed by politicians or, or, or a state with inalienable rights. You know, Thomas Paine once wrote that the, if the guides and dictates of human conscience were irresistibly obeyed, there'd be no need for any other lawgiver. That not being the case, government, governments are formed, in their best case, a necessary evil, and their worst, an intolerable one. You know, the idea that all of your fears in life are going to be taken away by government officials, but they don't even have a simple calculator that would immediately prove it's impossible what they're promising. But they make the promise anyway. And people believe, oh, everything's taken care of. And it, is, it takes away the stress of life, but that then takes away your freedom in the process Every time you, you give up your rights for false security, you're losing your freedom. And they, it's only proven over and over again that that will lead to, you know, the darkest days. I have a whole chapter in my book about it. Linda, by the way, wants to interview me today. I'm like, I'm I'm gonna think, I got to think about this. No, no, don't yes think yet. about it. Just do it. 
Donald Trump's war on elements of his own government. Trump's war on absentee ballots. Trump's war on Fauci. President Trump's war on face masks. Trump's war on world order. Donald Trump's war on women. Trump's war on science. Trump's war on children. President Trump's war on the truth. Trump's war on reality. Trump's war on institutions. Trump's war on his own executive branch. Donald Trump's war on the FBI. Donald Trump's war on the FBI. Trump's war on Jeff Sessions. President Trump's war on Obamacare. Donald Trump's war on law enforcement. Trump's war on China. Trump's war on the whistleblower. Trump's war on the Freedom Caucus. President Trump's war on the NFL. Trump's war on Amazon. Trump's war on trade. Donald Trump's war on intel. Trump's war on the intelligence community. Trump's war on intelligence. Donald Trump's war on immigrants. Trump's war on immigrant labor. From President Trump's war on the press. President Trump's unprecedented first year war on the media. Trump's war on the media. War on the media. War on the press. War on the media. Trump's war on the media. Coming up in our next hour, Trump's war on the media continues. Donald Trump's war on justice. Trump's war on justice. Donald Trump's war on justice. Donald Trump's war on justice. Donald Trump's war on justice. Trump's war on the justice system. President Trump's war on Christmas. There have been widespread calls to boycott Goya after the CEO praised Trump, but the president claims in a tweet today that the company is doing great. Now the president and Ivanka are displaying these products like they're uh, game show prizes. What's up with that? It's, again, so bizarre. And whoever believes that Ivanka ever bought a can of Goya beans, I'd like to know who thinks that Princess Ivanka yeah. goes shopping and buys Goya products. Get over yourself. It is a law where people cannot use their platform, cannot use their jobs, their government paid jobs to help any sort of brand or any company. It is a law. And I do not recall MSNBC or CNN or anybody else being concerned about uh, the safety of people who attended those those uh, gatherings. But suddenly, when it is involving a President Trump rally, then of course, then these safety measures are of a paramount. But when it's when it's a, a large gathering uh, with uh, with a political message that MSNBC would agree with, suddenly safety measures are really uh, on the back burner. And just a reminder. For what it's worth, there is no editorial point of view here uh, on any of these newscasts on MSNBC in the daytime. Uh, Trump's war on this, Trump's war on that, Trump's war on this, Trump's war on that, Trump's war, 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 stormy, 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 Russia, 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 Ukraine, 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 S-hole, 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 S-hole. I mean, I've never seen anything like it. They cannot even make up their own words. It is, it is one voice, one united, radical, extreme, democratic propaganda machine, the 99% of the mob, and then all things radical, extreme, democratic, socialist, and you've got the most extreme candidate now, that is now co-opted and partnered with, which means this is what he's saying he will do, adopting and even plagiarizing Bolshevik Bernie's economic agenda of radical socialism. We're going to talk about that coming up later. Then you've got AOC's new Green Deal madness. She is the advisor for Biden. Then you add Biden, Pelosi and Schumer. You got 125 years of failure. Add Beto Bozo, and you got a, a gun czar that believes in confiscation of guns. And you don't think what matters, what, what's happening matters in 109 days. It's all on the line. Everything, if these policies, understand the policies is what I'm talking about here. If this socialism, if this new Green Deal, if uh, the United Sanctuary States of America and amnesty, come into play if the end of energy as we know it the lifeblood of the world's economy 
How can you conclude anything other that it'll take the greatest country God has ever given man, a system of governance that has created more wealth, that has achieved the advancement of the human condition? No other system has ever been as great as this country, albeit imperfect. That will all vanish. All of this has been tried and all of this has failed. All of this, all of these promises of everything free, free, free can never, ever be fulfilled and sustained, no matter if they confiscated all of the wealth of people. And, you know, socialist countries have tried that, too. Here to weigh in on where we are and what this means and the mob and the media, the extension of all things radical democratic socialist. Joel Pollack, he is the editor at large, uh, in-house counsel for Breitbart. By the way, his new book is out. It's called Red November. Joe Concha, commentator, opinion writer, columnist, The Hill. Um, uh, Welcome back, both of you, to the program. Appreciate you being with us. Um, you know, Joe, you, you look at the media all the time. I mean, war, war, trumpet, war, 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 war. I mean, we've done this with every single solitary issue. They always use the same words, the same phrases, the same oh, descriptions, yeah, the same adjectives. <laughs> Uh, we're on the one-year anniversary, by the way. I was just looking up some notes that I had over repeat items in the media. And CNN and MSNBC said the word racist more than 4,100 times from July 14th through July 21st. Think about that. That's over a week. That's 600 times a day. Or, you know, we've always heard the walls are closing in. It's the beginning of the end. The news is tightening. It's a turning point. It's a watershed moment. As you said, it's the same phrases over and over again. But, like, you know, I have a four-year-old, and I read him The Boy Who Cries Wolf, and the media cries wolf, and uses these terms over and over again, they tend to lose their impact after a while, Sean. I think, though, Joel, I mean, collectively, the one thing that this president has been able to do is he has he's literally raised the consciousness of the country. I mean, we've always talked about media bias since I've been I started first in radio 33 years ago, my 25th year at Fox. And and you've had the Media Research Center and you've had other groups come up and too many, too numerous to name. And there is this alternative network of voices, podcasts, talk radio, Rush, Mark, me, you know, Fox News, those of us, me, Ingram, and so many others, right? And, you know, but we're like 1%. We're the, we are the, we are vastly outmanned by networks, papers, new, you know, I, I, I mean, it just is like a million to one at this point. Also, the tech companies play a role in that, right, because they regulate what comes up on your search engine when you're looking for news or you're looking to look up something, research something. Google controls what you see. And you're absolutely right, Sean. Americans have become more aware of media bias. Even Democrats will tell pollsters and have told opinion polls that they believe the news is biased. But that bias is still effective, not so much because of what they're telling you and how they spin it, but because of what they're not telling you. And there's important news you may not hear because the media don't want to tell you and because the big tech giants don't want that news to circulate on your platform. You couldn't hear or mention the name of the whistleblower, for example, in the impeachment. If you did that, Facebook would take your story off and Google wouldn't let people find it on the search engine. So it's what you don't see that's often more important. We learned that with this Twitter hack, Joe Concha, didn't we? Um, I've seen a lot of postings now and analysis that, in fact, uh, what conservatives believed in terms of of what some of these social media platforms are doing might have been confirmed. What do you think of that? I think that, Sean, a lot of young Democrats probably work in Silicon Valley, you know, just just spitballing here. And so 
to think that there's bias at these companies, these tech companies like Twitter, for instance. Of course there is. Of course people are blacklisted. Of course they're shadow banned. This is all confirmed now by that hack. And, and Joel made a good point before, by the way, about media bias in terms of the bias of omission. That Barry Weiss story earlier this week, that's the New York Times columnist who wrote perhaps the greatest resignation letter in the history of resignation letters in any industry, when she just talked about a toxic and hostile uh, environment over at the New York Times and all the things that she said about uh, stories being uh, killed and not even pitched if they had a conservative slant. CNN and MSNBC didn't touch that story even for one second on their airwaves. So to bring it back, is it biased? Absolutely. But there's also this whole tie-in between all of these media companies and organizations. The reason why probably CNN and MSNBC didn't cover that story is because they employ so many people from the New York Times to be contributors, and we don't want to hurt anybody's feelings or make them look bad. So yeah, it's not just one publication organization. They live in a silo. These things are all interconnected, and it affects what people end up seeing, and to Joel's point, not seeing in the end. You know, Joel, when you look at 2007 and 2008, um, there were very, very few of us that did a deep dive into who Barack Obama was. And that is, you know, what is a community organizer? What is the inspiration behind black liberation theology? How do you sit in the pews of Reverend Wright? Who's Frank Marshall Davis? What was the Chum Gang? Uh, what does it mean? What, what is Acorn? What is Alinsky? Uh, who are Ayers and Dorn? They didn't touch it. Then you've got the deep state. They, you know, 99% of this media believed and peddled lies and conspiracy theories, smears and slanders and besmirchments 24-7. They have not rep- apologized. They have not retracted. Um, we were right on this program, and, and I know some of the pages of what both of you write, you are also right, but there weren't many of us. And it was all a hoax on Russia, and they ignored quid pro quo Joe, and then they ignored Hillary's obstruction. Uh, and Hillary and the Espionage Act. They care about Russian interference, but not Hillary's dirty dossier bought and paid for Russian lies uh, that it cared about, didn't care about at all, premeditated fraud on a FISA court. The biggest stories otherwise in their career, they missed and they peddle conspiracy theories. Right. You know, and the media like to pretend that Donald Trump is a dictator. They said that over and over again during the impeachment. But what you just described, all of those stories over the last several years, describes the experience of Trump supporters watching how the media have treated this president. Trump supporters are seeing a kind of tyranny through the media's treatment of Trump and the media's treatment of the election. I mean, they're still in denial that there was a Democratic election in 2016. And what people see is that all these hoaxes get made up. Then there are investigations and there are leaks. Lives get destroyed. The investigations continue through the midterm elections. Democrats take the House. Then you've got impeachment. And now you've got this effort to try to keep the schools closed, even though scientists say you can open the schools safely. And people look at this and feel like their freedoms are being taken away. And the statues are being toppled and people are being canceled and forced to read books about white supremacy or whatever in the workplace. And people feel like their freedom is under attack from the left and from the media. Has has Trump, though, effectively tattooed and branded fake news enough that people are skeptical enough? I think people are skeptical. But the other thing is, as Stalin said, you don't have to convince people that communism works. You just have to remove the possibility of any other thought. And 
people are punished for speaking their minds. People are punished for dissenting. And that's what makes it difficult. It's hard to have a conversation about the alternatives to what Democrats are proposing, because anyone who speaks out is punished. All right, stay right there. More with Joe Concha, more with Joe Pollack on the other side. And as we continue, Joe Pollack and Joe Concha are with us. Uh, Okay, so I asked Joel before the break, has Donald Trump successfully branded the the fake news industrial complex? And will that impact the majority of Americans needed to win a national election? I have two answers, and they're both yes and yes. Yes, Donald Trump has impacted, obviously, by pushing back in the way he does and exercising his First Amendment right to criticize the press, which they don't like very much. But honestly, Sean, you brought up Barack Obama before. I think in 2008, that was a big, big change as far as media was concerned, where it was bias in broad daylight, and people saw exactly how that election was covered, and that kind of permanently set things in motion to when we did get to Donald Trump. And this is why, and I love using this stat, going into the 2016 election, the Hill looks at 59 major newspapers and their endorsements. 57 of those endorsements went to Hillary Clinton. Two went to Donald Trump. That got her a set of steak knives and a confession speech. And all that, that's all you have to know about influence as far as the media. Yes, they still have influence, but not nearly enough. People know how to think for themselves. They know where to find objective sources if they need to. But the, the reality is that they're still out there. They're still chanting the same mantras. Uh, and I thought your analogy was was pretty interesting joel and that is that you know if you just flood the zone with trump is evil and trump's war trump's war trump's war trump's war russia 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 you know it begins to penetrate whether people are even conscious of it or not it does and i hear it from my kids actually in school where other kids are hearing things from their liberal parents and saying horrible things about trump and that's how pervasive it has become that these messages get out there, and people who are supportive of the president, just as they might be supportive of any Republican president, are afraid to put up a yard sign, afraid to put a bumper sticker on their car. There's a climate of fear. The flip side of that is there may be more Trump supporters out there than we know, but people are just frightened out of showing that publicly. But they are out there, and they may show up at the polls in November. Well, that's that obviously would be our greatest hope. All right, so with 109 days to go, I think that, that Joe Biden, Joe Concha, by adopting AOC's agenda, Bolshevik Bernie's agenda, Beto Bozo's agenda, uh, and so and partnering with Pelosi and Schumer, I, I don't see... I've never seen a candidate move that hard left to shore up their base. That's a sign of weakness to me. And an inarticulate candidate, for that matter, right, Sean? Joe Biden doesn't exactly exude confidence in any way, shape, or form. And look, it's two basic things that this election will come down to if coronavirus is in a better place than it is now in terms of not so much that a vaccine is out there, but an announcement that a phase three went very well and there will be one on the horizon. And that is, how does Joe Biden pay for all these programs, like the one you mentioned, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, New Green Deal, trillions in spending? You can't pay for that without raising taxes, not only on the rich, but all classes. So that's part one. And part two is that... I got got to roll, though. We're just out of time. I always want to hear you, though, Joe Concha. Um, thanks, for as always, for being with us. Joel, congrats on the book, uh, Red November. It's on Hannity.com, Amazon.com. Thank you both. When we come back, straight to the phones. And then apparently Linda wants to interview me about what I don't know. Straight ahead.
like in that capacity in the first few weeks um, when the fence was up around the Justice Center for that RRT response? I'll say this. I got, I got to see folks that really do want change like the rest of us that have been impacted by racism. Um, and then I got to see those people get faded out by people that have no idea what racism is all about. Never experienced racism. They don't even know that the tactics that they are using are the same tactics that were used against my people. And they don't even know, their, they don't even know the history. They don't know what they're saying. Coming from someone who graduated from PSU with a history degree, it's, it's, it's actually frightening on how, you know, they say if you don't know your history, you repeat it and watching people do that to other people just because of what they decide to do with their life. All right, that was uh, a police officer, African-American Portland police officer named Jacari Jackson talking about what it's like being an African-American officer during these protests. Uh, and of course, the sounds of the Portland riots that have now gone on for weeks. Uh, we're now, you know, edging up to 1,300 police officers injured across the country, uh, 12 dead. Uh, we're talking about bricks and bottles and rocks and Molotov cocktails and knives and, yes, guns and now canes and bats used against the police officers. Police officers don't have the ability to fight back. I keep going back to a, a very a, a same theme here, and that is that if we don't restore law and order, there will be no pursuit of happiness for any American in any town in any city that adopts this madness and this insanity. You know, if you look at the statistics of crime and, you know, cities all across, you know, the country, it is it is it is scary. You know, 31 murders uh, from July 6th to July 12th in Chicago alone, 417 percent increase from the six murders recorded during the same time last year. Uh, the city saw 116 homicides during the most recent 28 day period. Houston, we got problems there, too. And you have murders up 37 percent from 140 and, and uh, up now from from 178 this year, you know, already. Uh, but you only had 140 of all of 2019. Los Angeles, they have seen the surge in violence. 49 shootings, 14 fatalities since July 8th. Well, today's July 17th. New York City, well, 277% increase. 49 incidents. And I can go on and on and on. And the president now is pledging to restore order to these war zones. He has offered the help, and where the help has been accepted, Minneapolis and D.C., it has had incredible effects. Uh, the president, in my last interview with him, it was his threat to the Chaz Chop Autonomous uh, Summer of Love Spaghetti Potluck Dinner Zone in, in, in Seattle that finally forced Seattle to move. Um, how many millions and millions of dollars are lost of businesses how do you ever bring back the people that died? You cannot. That's why it was so sad to listen to Horace Lorenzo Anderson Sr. talk about his 19-year-old son. That's why it's been so sad when Lawrence Jones interviewed the family of a, a seven-year-old beautiful young girl, our national treasure, uh, that lost her life in the backyard uh, on the 4th of July weekend of her grandmother. 
uh, or interviewing the father and the grandmother of this one-year-old killed in Brooklyn. We have the eight-year-old that was killed in Atlanta. Why? Because they accidentally drove into their mini autonomous zone, summer of love zone, where we had reported a week earlier that people were manning AK-47s and and AR-15s. And Steve Harrigan bravely went in and interviewed these guys for Hannity. Uh, You don't have safety. You don't have security. You don't have any pursuit of happiness. There is now, uh, I saw this article today, City Council in Seattle is, I guess, facing a dilemma with their pledge to cut the police by 50%. Uh, That would mean firing of many, many police officers, which appears to be, I guess, popular in these states that have been run into the ground for decades of liberal mayor after liberal mayor after liberal mayor. And if you want to know what Joe Biden's America is going to look like, just take a look at New York and Chicago and Seattle and Portland, and you're getting a pretty good idea. And the problem is that, you know, firing, if it's done by seniority, um, you know, I mean, what's going to happen here? So you have one city council member. Her name is Lisa Herbold. Simple fire officers based on their race. Okay, good luck with the lawsuit that's going to ensue immediately thereafter. That's not going to work out very well. You know, it's not that hard. I'm all for training the police more. I've talked about my seven years of training as a as a student of the martial of martial arts, and I I literally have studied uh, Krav Maga, Kempo, Japanese Jiu Jitsu, uh, situational street fighting, boxing. You know, uh, learning to defend against sticks and blades and firearms. It's it's a constant, never ending training. Um, George Floyd, if you just manipulated one or two fingers while he was handcuffed, you will have full compliance. Most officers don't know how to do that. I think those tasers are atrocious with the, you know, the wires coming flying out. You have two shots. Bad idea. There are better non-lethal alternatives available. Nobody's talking about it, it seems, but me. Um, and I know because I own them. I have purchased them. And I have been a pistol marksman since I was 10 or 11. Uh, it's the last option. Give police more non-lethal options. Uh, you gotta, you gotta sift through those bad apples, make sure that, that they, you know, get kicked off the force, just like the 1% in the, you know, FBI, the world's premier law enforcement agency. I always distinguish that between the one and the 99%, probably said it on TV and radio a million times because it's fair and it's right. And it's just, um, you don't hold officers responsible for the actions of a few. You don't hold uh, FBI agents and special agents responsible for the actions of a few. You don't hold the entire intelligence community that bravely protects us in an evil world responsible for what the 1% does in their abuse of power and corruption. Just fundamental fairness. By the way, that protester that punched the cops uh, in New York, Black Lives Matter protester, well, that person goes free thanks to Cuomo's no bail law. Um, cops finally arrested the suspect in the Brooklyn uh, Bridge Kane attack against a, a high-ranking police officer there. Uh, we have a case in Philadelphia where a woman dies after being shot in the head. I mean, when is this going to end? I keep talking about this. Um, all right, let's go to Keith is in Pennsylvania. Keith will be watching Pennsylvania very, very closely in 109 days. Uh, it would be very nice if the president, if they call, we can now project Donald Trump has won the great state of Pennsylvania. Um, never an easy state to win. Always uphill. And I hope the people of uh, Pennsylvania know what's at stake. Sean, they do. They do. 
but with these with these lockdowns, with the um, I have I have a lot of conservative friends, and some of those conservative friends are actually going to vote for Biden. They feel that they're giving up. They're giving up. The point is, they feel they vote for Biden, they get back to normal. And to be honest with you, it scares the heck out of me. Well, I mean, you just told me they will, and then you said, well, all these people are saying they're voting for Biden and they're conservative. That that does not warm my heart, to be very blunt with you. They're just tired of the lockdowns. They're tired of the chaos. Well, what do they think is going to happen in Joe Biden's America? They, In their minds, they feel, you know, this COVID, these lockdowns will be gone November 3rd. Okay, good luck with that. That's yeah. interesting. But look, there's Wait, only can so I interrupt? Much... I don't understand yeah. what you're saying. What are you saying? You're saying people think Biden's going to end That's the what shutdown? I, asking him. I know. I just no. I didn't understand what he's saying. The, the thing is, is that they feel this is all just to beat up a Trump supporter, just to get to the point. Ah, so once he gets in office, then it'll magically disappear. Yes, I got yes. you. Okay, thank you. Yes. Okay. okay, does that does that satisfy you, Linda? Are you okay? Yeah, now? I'm sorry, Sean. I just was I was like, what? They think Biden's going to do this, Mister? You know, I, I forget about it. Well, I think a lot of the chaos is they gin it up, they work it up, and then they they, they create this image that things are so spiraling out of control, and Joe Biden gets elected, and then they pull pull back. They might listen. You know, there's such a connection between the radical left and and their support of Joe Biden or anything against Trump that, you know, who knows what they're up to. I I have no idea. Is it organized? I can't say that. Some of these groups are absolutely organized to do anything and everything they can possibly do to destroy Trump or anybody that likes Donald Trump. Uh, Remember, a lot of this isn't just Donald Trump. A lot of this is they have contempt for you, for we, the American people, the smelly Trump supporter. Remember, he's going to transform America rewrite america's economy you know the green new deal bolshevik bernie's socialist utopia that will only fail that is that is the agenda that they're leaving let's say hi to jeremy in montana hey jeremy how are you i'm doing great sean how are you doing today i'm good sir what's going on well i wanted to talk about the school stuff and i've done some research uh linda was saying you know how are the how are the lower income families going to be able to provide for laptops and things like that. The okay. Yeah, we're talking about my 11. idea. My idea is with all these failing school systems, it's probably impossible because the states will be res- so resistant because they're so in the pocket of the the teachers unions. But if we could provide an online alternative so that every kid has the ability with the parent, with a grandparent, with a loving relative, with a neighbor, I don't care who, and that they could spend two hours a day, no matter what they're learning or not learning in school, this can supplement and guarantee if you follow this course curriculum that you will be proficient in reading, writing, math, and history. And I would stop there. No more topics. Just stick to the fundamentals and the basics. Online classes, a curriculum, parents can go through it with their kids, a loving relative can go through it with their kids. And this way they have a shot because without the education, my argument is the rungs of the ladder are non-existent. You don't put the rungs on the ladder through education back in, then then people's chance at any pursuit of happiness goes away. And, and yeah, and that's a very valid point. And my point is that here in Montana, they spend over $11,000 per child per school year. So if the schools aren't going to be open, they should be able to at least have $1,000 that they could spare to get the laptops and the things that the kids need for their in-home learning, bare minimum. 
Yeah, look, it's it, listen, remember, the federal government contributes to every student's education. And those schools that fail, I'm not disagreeing at all. But we can reallocate those monies, right? Does that make sense? That's exactly my point. All right. Good job. Thank you. Good call. Recent surge of gun violence continued Friday in the city with six separate shootings involving seven victims. That list includes a deadly shooting in Brooklyn. Police say it happened around 745 last night on New Jersey Avenue in East New York. Officers who were called to the scene found an 18-year-old man shot in the chest. The victim was taken to Brookdale Hospital where he was pronounced dead. Sources say it appears the victim was leaving the building when a gunman approached and opened fire. So far, no arrests have been made. Children caught in the crossfire of rising gun violence across New York City. A one-year-old has died after being hit by bullets at a Brooklyn playground last night. And a 12-year-old was shot in a separate incident. A violent and chaotic night in Brooklyn when bullets began to fly just outside Raymond Bush Playground on Madison Street in Bed-Stuy. Police say around 11.30 last night, three adults were shot and a one-year-old boy in his stomach. All right, so we have a great story. Randy's calling in from New York, and when we come back, Randy is going to tell us why his son is apparently leaving the NYPD. And by the way, this has now become a phenomenon across the country. Police are retiring in droves. Others are leaving. Fewer people applying. It's going to impact the safety and security of every American, especially in every big city. You know, for the month of July, for the NYPD to point out last week, 99% of shooting victims were minorities. We, we can do better than this. All right. And then for S- Linda's got some questions she wants me to answer. So we'll do that in the next half hour as well. Quick break. Right back. We'll continue. All right. That's just uh, 18 short days, 109 days till you become the ultimate jury. News Roundup information overload. By the way, Hannity.com, Amazon.com. Soon, bookstores everywhere. Sometime, probably next week, we have a lot of announcements to make. We've got a lot of great plans. Um, I will be on a special on Fox. Remember, the great one is on Sunday night at 8. Harris Faulkner is doing a special. Um, I spent a lot of time yesterday. I had a great time with her um, on on where the country is now. And um, I really enjoyed the time. And we ended up taping, Linda, over 45 minutes and obviously, it won't make the you know it won't. They'll probably How long were you supposed to tape? Ten. <laughs> so you went <laughs> over as usual. As usual, yeah. Was there someone screaming break and you weren't listening to them? No, no you know I think she. I don't know. I, I got to ask Harris if she's going to put it online or maybe Fox Nation or maybe use it on her Daily Show, the two Daily Shows which are doing phenomenal. We could certainly you know cross post on Hannity.com help out. I mean, just absolutely brilliant. A heart of gold, a love of this country. I mean, it was a, it was, it was very powerful. I felt uh, in a lot of different ways, and I, this discussion needs to be had. I'm not going to tell you any more than that now. All right, so I got a call from Linda this morning. Well, not a call, a text. She t- texts me and James, and she says, uh, "Okay, um, we, uh, I need to interview you today." I'm like, "What?" I got questions. You keep talking about something and you don't explain it. I need you to explain it. I don't even know what it is. So I'm like ill-prepared for whatever this this question is. What's your question? I just thought it might be nice. You know, I mean, probably the audience, our, our listeners who have listened for a very long time, will know how terrible you are at promoting your own things, selling your own things. We never sell anything. We don't have a store. You know, the, we just started doing T-shirts finally after 15 years I've been here. I've rejected it outright. Just always, times. forever. And I think I think one of the things that I really want to communicate, you know, for the audience is 
side of things. You know, we do a lot of books here, and uh, Sean is such a great friend to so many people. And he always takes the time to go through their books and, and get their message out because writing a book is, is difficult. It's a lot of work. It's hard. And for Sean, his platform, his medium has always been talking. So for him to take on another book after 10 years, I think the audience would be interested in understanding why. And so as we're as you're taking on this book and you're writing it and we're going through all the edits and the audio book and, you know, it, it's a lot. Audiobook Ask Ethan, 19 straight hours in one weekend. It's a disaster. I mean, it's just... And, oh, you don't like that it came out? I thought I, I, oh, thought no, I did a great job beautiful. in the end. Absolutely. Because I also wanted to put my heart into it and, and people know my voice. You know what I like the best about it is that your New York accent comes through because you're too because tired to exhausted. fight it. Exactly. Yeah, it's a, I know. It's a thing of beauty. It does come out when I'm tired. But That's my point is, funny. you know, it's it, there's all this work. And not only that, there's very few authors that actually voice their own audiobooks. This is not a common thing. So the third time I've done it, I, I did right. not do it for the last book. Most and the people last book, do the I donated prologue, all profits to charity. Exactly. Yep. So yep. here, you know, here you are. You're like, I'm going to do this. This is so important to me that I want you to hear it in my voice, my inflection, my tone. So the more we talked about it, I was like, you know, I don't think the audience understands what live free or die means. You know, it's not just a slogan. It's not just, you know, a hashtag. This is something much bigger than that. And then, of course, you know, the world starts falling apart with all of the riots and the protesting and the pandemic and the fear. I mean, I just feel like the whole world is on edge in our country specifically. And your book kind of deals with both because in Latin it says, you know, the world and America, you know, we're dealing with a very large problem here of this live for your die concept. So then this morning, um, Vice President Pence uh, spoke at uh, Ripon College and he was talking about the effects of socialism. And he was just saying, you know, if you're thinking that Joe Biden going more left, working with Bernie Sanders, putting together a platform of ideas that are going to take away more of your freedoms, just look at what happened when we had the run on for paper towels, toilet paper, you know, you can't get water bottles, you can't get hand sanitizer. That's socialism. You know, and I started thinking about it and I was like, you have a whole chapter on this, Sean. I mean, you did all this research Going back to the early days of the Soviet Union, and I just thought it might be something that the audience could really, you know, sort of glean Oof. an idea of right. where you're, you're coming now from. Now you're, you're going to make me work because let me let me start with this. You're and I'm and I. It's a little early. I was going to do this like maybe the week before the book's release. Um, but okay, I'm, you're asking. I'm going to tell you. Listen, man, the world's on fire. Okay, I lined up. I I purposely the first thing I do when I decide I. I did not want to write a book. I fought against it, against it, against it. I swore I'd never do another one because it is so hard. But I, the way it works for me is I usually come up with a title. The title I originally came up with was Live Free or America Dies because I think we're at a tipping point, as I say every day. Um, I put it in Latin at the bottom because as I looked at the designs, it just didn't work the way I, it didn't come across the way I wanted. Spent a lot of time on the flag that's on the cover, and it's tattered and it's torn. But the 50 state stars, but by accident and design, are not. And live free or die, America and the world on the brink. And in Latin, I put live free or America dies. I had to have like 15 Latin experts do that. But I designed the chapters just to give you an outline. You're asking for <clears throat> where this chapter on socialism. It's chapter four of the book. It's a history of failure. But preceding it is chapter one, a republic, if you can keep it which is the admonition of the great Ben Franklin. Um, when asked during the Constitutional Convention, is it a monarchy is it a, or is it a, 
is it a republic? Well, republic, if you can keep it. I go through a history in chapter two of the rise of the radicals. Then I give Welcome to Fantasyland, chapter three, the Democrats 2020 agenda. And then chapter four is Socialism, a history of failure. This took the most work in terms of research. And the hardest part for me was, and I hired researchers, and you were a part of that team, actually, is is putting together in a way that people would understand it. And actually, I was disappointed in myself because I realized how much I had forgotten things that I knew, but I had since forgotten, haven't talked about in a long time, but I think are very, very apropos to our times. Now, in the previous chapter on the 2020 agenda, well, what are the what is, for example, the Green New Deal? Now you have Bolshevik Bernie and you have now adopted by Joe Biden. That's scary. Then you have AOC Green New Deal. Then you have gun confiscation, Mr. Bozo Beto. Um, then you have the 125 years of failure, Biden, Pelosi and Schumer. You know, well, what is it? All right. Guaranteed jobs, sustaining wage, medical leave, guaranteed government vacations, retirement, guaranteed uh, high quality health care, adequate housing, economic security, clean water, air, etc. Resources, training, education, all education's free. We're going to forgive student loan debt 100 percent. And Biden talked about this this week of America's power demands will be through clean, renewable, zero emission energy sources. That's what he said this week. Upgrading every building in the U.S. Wow. Uh, to achieve maximum uh, energy efficiency, water efficiency. It, it's in, it's unsustainable. You know, the estimates are 94 trillion. That's and, not even with the health care part. And you, th- the interesting thing about what you're saying is he was in the White House as vice president yeah, for, eight, for years. eight years. And that's yeah. not including the rest of the time that he has been serving the American people and has never done any of this. So then fast forward. That's the Democratic Agenda, Chapter three in Chapter four. What I talk about is socialism's history of failure. It has been tried over and over again in many manifestations and forms. It has always been fundamentally rooted in dishonesty, lies, broken promises, and a literal uh, power grab which takes away freedoms. Uh, you know, the, the socialist parties, they don't declare that if empowered, they will build an authoritarian you know, state or suppress dissent, or take away the freedoms of people. They just promise you security that they can never deliver on because financially it's unsustainable. You know, I go through the history, for example, the Soviet Union. Um, Well, what happened there? They were once the world's largest grain exporter, and they had to come begging to their rival, their enemy, the United States, to help feed their own people. If socialism worked, uh, Venezuela... What would be the socialist utopia? And they actually have the resources with oil to, to do it. Well, their oil production dropped 75%. Um, who was it? Uh, Jorge uh, Ramos. Remember when he when he reported on this? Uh, didn't they put him in jail for a while? Yes, but they did. People, p- people picking food out of garbage pails when you have all of that money and resources that everyone could benefit from. Their oil production has dropped. Their promises of of this utopia failing at a spectacular level. Poverty, not utopia. You know, if you go to East Germany before the wall came tumbling down, you know, they they stopped producing anything extraordinary. Nothing. I I actually used it in the the book, you know, except steroid-infused athletes and internal spying apparatus that kept everyone in fear, just like the former Soviet Union did as well. And... 
you know, they don't say up front that that's what they're going to do, but that's what it has always evolved into, you know, and, and everything's free. And, you know, there's a certain appeal in people's minds. Oh, I'll never have to worry about my housing or my health care or my job or my retirement. They're going to do it for free. And can I just tell you, can I interrupt for one second? So the reason why I wanted to hit this today and where this came from this morning when I was texting and you're like, what are you talking about? So when all this was, when, when I've been looking over the last, you know, every Friday we do the week in review, right? So we're, we're putting everything together, putting the show together, the audio, the thoughts and all the information. And I was thinking about this and I went to your chapter four because I have the luxury of having it early. Why didn't you give me a heads up? Go ahead. Well, you're always the last to know. You know that. I don't bother you until I have to. You're welcome. But there's a there's the first couple of lines that you write and about socialism and you write its core problem has always been its dishonesty and its broken promises. But the next paragraph, I felt like I was reading a newspaper from today's news because you're like they'll build yes. an authoritarian pol- police, suppress dissent, and rip away every vestige of freedom from society and run the economy into the ground. That is exactly it, it, what is happening right now. It has happened from the get go. Here's the fascinating thing. If you look at the promises, uh, and I even at some point in the chapter, in the, in the chapter I mentioned Bolshevik Bernie and there's, you know, thousands of people that he was able to appeal to that now Joe Biden has to shore up that base, which never happens in a general election, but he's gone hard left. You know, class warfare, abolishing all student death, health care, reengineer the U.S. economy, Green New Deal, AOC, Bezo Bozo. You know, and 125 years of promises. The problem, too, then, Linda, becomes this. While all of those promises are made, and it's a guaranteed mathematical failure, what happens next? You know, I have a section in that chapter about drenched in the blood, drenched in blood from the very beginning. In other words, if socialism defined is a political system and whereby the government owns and runs the key elements of the economy, you know, nationalizing industry, for example. And there's no, they don't tell you how they're going to do all of this because they can't. What's missing are the details and things like the funding. Well, that's, you know, you can, you can go back to Marx and, and Engels, for example, you know, their, their principles of socialism, the communist manifesto. And I quote that in the chapter. And you know what? And, in true capitalist form, we're going to oppose socialism. Take a quick break. Say hello to one of our sponsors and come back and talk about this a little bit. Is that more. What we're going to do. So that, that's what we're going to do. In the middle of my thought. I love that. I, right. I have to interrupt for capitalism. We'll, we'll carry this into the next hour. Look. So I know you were just talking about the communist manifesto. We're back here. I'm sorry that I interrupted you. You know, I'm bringing us back from commercial. You're welcome. Okay. And we're talking about your book. So take it off from there. So we we left off with, so, okay, I go through East Germany, I go through Venezuela, the former Soviet Union, and and I quote the Communist Manifesto. You know, while the promises are so assuring, reassuring, you will have no risk in life, no fear in life, your government is going to protect you. How did that Obamacare thing work out? The problem is the math. It is simple, fundamental math. And more importantly, once you take away the, the natural stress of life, if you believe, as I do, that every man, woman, and child is born with talents from God, but if you're not put in an environment where there's good stress, the stress that makes you dig deep, dive, do a good deep dive within yourself and do things you never dreamed you could do because it's out of necessity. When I was out of my, my own in my late teens and my early 20s, I had to work out of necessity. Um, I had to work because I needed to pay my rent and and buy old cars because that's all I could afford and certainly not go out to eat. 
So there's a good stress that brings the best out of people. Once you assure people everything's taken care of, where's the stress that's going to force you to get your ass out of bed every day and, and go produce goods and services that people want, need, and, and desire? If America, if I'm right, America is the greatest country on earth, and I quote Barry Farber, and I add, you know, no country's accumulated more power, abused it less, but used that power to advance the human condition. If I'm right in that, then it's freedom that did that. It's liberty that did that. And it is entrepreneurialism that did that. And that that is now what is at stake here. You know, the main conflict uh, going back to the former Soviet Union, you know, you have the proletariat you have, or factory workers and their oppressors, the bourgeois, the wealthier middle upper classes. You know, they, they told people the workers would seize power through a violent revolution to establish a, a dictatorship of the proletariat, which, you know, workers uh, would suppress their class enemies, seize control of the economy. Well, what does that sound like? And run the economy for their own benefit. Oh, okay, well, we're going to take all the rich people's money. The rich people didn't get rich by being stupid. They're going to leave, like they're leaving New York and, and California. They're going to leave the United States. And many rich people started out very, very poor and worked very, very hard I don't for everything know, that they I have. I don't know trust fund babies. I don't know who they are. And by the way, that's something I won't do for my kids. So, I'm Sean, do you... Can I interrupt for one second? So we're, yeah. about, we're out of time in the segment. Can we do it for a couple more on the other side, then do callers? Is that okay yes. with you? Uh, okay. Now that I gave up control of the hour, <laughs> fine. Keep interviewing me. I, listen, it's a passion of mine. I spent, I told you how much time I spent studying late into the night and how many nights um, and what I came away with. It scares the living hell out of me. All right. So we'll be right back and we'll do some more. Joe Biden and the radical left are trying to impose the same system, socialism plus in America. Biden is a puppet of Bernie Sanders, AOC, the militant left. Nobody will be safe in a Biden America. But Biden doesn't know what a Biden America is. If you ask him to define it, he wouldn't even know what it is. But other people do. And he will have radical people running that. Republicans are the party of freedom. Democrats are the party of socialism and worse. Welcome back. Glad you're with us. 25 now to the top of the hour. Aunt Linda's asking me to describe what, what, what went into this chapter that will be coming out in what? 18 days of chapter four, socialism, a history of failure. But you can buy it now wherever books are sold, amazon.com, handy.com. We invite you to do that. So please go out, get a copy of this now. But the you see, this is why, you know, I just spent a half hour and I've only touched the surface. This is why I can't do this on the show. It just takes too long. Yeah, you know, Sean, one of the things that, I mean, not to interrupt you again, but I'm going to because that's what I'm so good at. You know, one of the things that you're talking about here about how there's just not enough time to go over all that it takes to go into something like this. I mean, socialism has plagued so many so many countries in Eastern Europe. And, you know, we look at Venezuela and how the people are still struggling there under Maduro and, you know, Wido's trying to take over. And there's this, there's this struggle, you know, between what people are literally calling now good and evil, the right and the wrong and the left and the right. But really, we need to get back to humanity. And then you have someone like... Joe Biden, who Angela Davis just said yesterday, you know, he's so easily manipulated and maneuvered and he's the one we can effectively control and make him be the one to do what we want to do to change the messaging on whatever issue they have of the day that they want to make an issue out of, you know, and it's it's a lot for people to grasp and to kind of get through. And so then he's he's saying all these things like to explain the radical left agenda. Um, Jason, can you actually play that? We have a really good thought on that. By the way, how many of you did really well with that $1.9 trillion tax cut that increased? Really good shape, right? But guess what? If you elect me, you're not going to have your, your taxes are going to be raised, not cut. 
if you're if you benefit from that. We're going to have a breathtaking opportunity to create good paying union jobs, to deliver the promise of America to Americans who've been denied it for much too long, to rewrite our economy so the prosperity flows not just to CEOs. Would there be any place for fossil fuels, including coal and fracking, in a Biden administration? No, we would we would work it out. We would make sure it's eliminated and no more subsidies for either one of those, either any fossil fuel. We're going to have an opportunity, I believe, in the next round here to use the my uh, green economy, my my green deal or uh, to be able to generate both economic growth and consistent with the kind of infusion of monies we need into the system to keep it going. They don't need that. The last thing you need is an up-armored Humvee coming into a neighborhood. It's like the military invading. They don't know anybody. They become the enemy. They're supposed to be protecting these people. So my generic point is that... Do we agree that we can redirect some of the funding? Yes. You know, let me go to one thing. If 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 socialism, a history of failure, is really true, and now, now Joe Biden has gone full-on Bolshevik Bernie, radical AOC, radical Bozo Bezo, and those principles, and then you got Schumer and Pelosi. You know, listen, everything we we feared in Bernie is now confirmed and adopted by Joe. Listen. Well, you know, as you mentioned, we put together a number of task forces with the Biden campaign. One of them was on health camp. Uh, he, in fact, moved uh, a whole lot, many areas. So, so Sean, so there's Bernie. Now we got Bernie and Biden all choked up over each other. And we've got our NYPD out in the streets. We got you know, over 400% increase in retirement. They can't protect the people. They can't protect themselves. You know, de Blasio doesn't want to own his own BS. You know, we got, look at this caller, Randy. He finally got back in, thank God. I mean, his son's leaving the NYPD. Uh, let's go to Randy. Well, we can go back to this next week. We have plenty of time. Uh, 19 weeks, Hannity.com, Amazon.com. Randy in New York, your son is leaving the NYPD. Tell us why. I just want to thank you very much for what you've done for this country, and it's an honor speaking to you. He's, um, basically, this quality of life and the risk is way too high. I have a 14-month-old grandson. He's got a beautiful family, and my wife is devastated because he's about to move like four hours away to join a different department because he can't take the risk anymore. It's horrifying, and I'm like strapped on Long Island. I can't even represent who I want to represent for president because I'm afraid I can't even speak out. And I don't think my vote's even going to make a difference in November. Every vote and matters. Don't I'm believe that. So, I'm just so done. And it's just, it's sad. It's really sad. How, how old is your son? Do you mind me asking? He just turned 30. How many years has he been on the job? He's only been in three years. He graduated top of his class. It was a dream since he was a child be a policeman well his training will allow him if he's interested to have opportunities in towns and cities that appreciate the police and they do exist and oh, yeah you well, know he's already it, got himself a new job you know lined up if you what's he doing it. well i can't really get into it because he hasn't officially said he's leaving yet but he but it's going to take him away from long island and my wife is not going to be able to see your son or a grandson anymore because no, that's not. Listen, there's things called airplanes. This Corona's going away <laughs> eventually. We're very close on the vaccines, as we reported this week. Thank God. And yeah. you know, um, you'll you'll appreciate the time more. And and maybe listen, maybe maybe wherever he goes, you'll go with him and get the hell out of New York anyway. Because that's what yeah, if, I, if they're not going to you know, allow us to be safe and secure and tax us, 
you know, rip the gold out of our teeth, maybe it's time for everybody to go, as long as you don't bring liberalism with you. I'm close, and I'm, believe me, I'm not a liberal. <laughs> and I really appreciate everything you've done, sir. Thank Please you tell your son time. he's in our prayers, and we wish him the very best, okay? Thank you, sir, and thank you. How sad is that? I mean, son, just every cop, every fireman, every pilot, every teacher, every nurse, every medical professional, doctor I know, they didn't go into these professions, but for one reason. that it, They didn't get into any of them for money because it's a calling, it's a passion. You know, by the way, did you see Sluggo's remarks in a, uh, yesterday? Who used to be my boss in Atlanta, hired me in Atlanta from Huntsville. Yeah, I love that guy. He's hysterical. Because I was saying I never got into radio for money. I didn't. I've, I've always thought I'd get fired, and here I am, thirty-three years later, and I and thank God my dream came true, and I never expected any of this. Um, and I, I just happened to, uh, you know, say that I worked for free in the beginning, but I loved it. That's that red light goes on. I have no idea where all of this, whatever I do, comes from. And then I said, yeah, I went to Atlanta. And then he goes, oh, I overpaid you. I'm like, you paid me next to nothing. Well, you weren't very good then. You say that yourself. It, it takes. This is not breaking news, boss. I've said this many, many times. If you watch Stern's movie, uh, Private Parts, um, and it, obviously we do two, two different, very different forms of radio, but I, I'm fascinated with that movie because it was my life. That, you know, his experience was my experience. You know, you start out, there was a scene in the movie um, where he's at a small market station. And now time for the weather. It's uh, hazy, hot, humid, uh, chance of late afternoon thunderstorm. I'm actually and- not, I'm not being very nice. I actually think your early days were very good. I actually think you sound a lot like your son. Um, I think the funniest <laughs> moments, you know, because I know your son so well I had now. a much thicker New York accent. Yeah, which I kind of love. But I also think it's very funny because, you know, you had your golden EIB moment. You know, you dropped the mic, which you won't let me oh, play, geez. but I'm definitely sneaking in at oh, some point. Oh, grief. But I, I mean, these let are... Let it go. This is, but this is what makes you at 30 years of radio, right? This is how we get to 30 years. This is how never, we get Linda. to writing a book like Live Free or Die. You know, this is where all that passion comes from. This is listening to your radio in your room when your dad's telling you to turn it off and go to bed and you're like no 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 i mean this no, is I never literally said no i just know. said okay oh, oh i'm sorry i'll turn it off and then i put it on lower under your covers and you snuck it in right all night long oh my god i mean so funny. yeah i mean i'm such a loser and then i'm still a loser I'm, i don't care what anybody says i know the truth i'm a loser it's not that you're a loser it's that some of us are just born with love of country we're born with you know, love of whatever, you know, some people are just born to do whatever they're going to do. You know what I mean? And this is where you're supposed to be, boss. I mean, clearly this is what God intended. That's not what my doctor is saying. My doctor is saying, well, your resting heart rate is borderline tachycardia. Maybe it's time for you to slow down. I definitely um, think your stress level is very high, but I think anybody who is attacked on a daily basis, that would be, you know, you, the president, you know, anybody who stands up for that, which is not the socially accepted way, like, that caller was just saying, you know, Randy, it's it's really very sad. He can't talk about the fact that he supports President Trump because civil discourse is dead. There's no way for us to have a real conversation anymore without somebody getting very upset. If you say, oh, I don't agree with you, I think this, people are like, oh, you're misogynist, you're a racist, you hate this, you hate that. I don't hate anything. This is just what I think. I'm just having a conversation. If you want to change my mind, great. But, you know, please come armed with information and facts and not just your opinion because you saw something on TikTok or Instagram or Facebook. You know what I mean? Like, that's a real problem today. Uh, look, it is a we have an information crisis. We have a lot at stake. 
Uh, I argue that, again, if we're talking about socialism, that it always will fail. It has a history of nothing but failure. I don't care if it's the USSR. I don't And I go into a very deep dive there. Socialism worldwide has failed in its many manifestations. You want to go talk about Cuba? I talk about Cuba. You want to talk about the spread of Soviet communi- communism? You know, uh, Yugoslavia, Czechoslovakia, Hungary, etc. It didn't. None of this worked. And Sean, uh, how many callers have you had on your show over the past thirty years that have called in and said, "I came here from Cuba. I came here from Venezuela. I came here from the former USSR." They all have these stories of fleeing and running from socialism, from the oppression and the thumb of the government that wanted nothing but to keep them down so that they could stay up. And these mm-hmm. people now that are rallying in the streets or protesting, they are not marked an experience in history. They need to go back and really learn the history and not just what's being pushed by the 1619 Project, but actual American history, actual world history. It's a serious, that's a deficiency right now in education. Yeah. You know, I got to tell you something. It is, I don't know what's going to happen in 109 days. I wish I had a crystal ball. I don't have a crystal ball. And I just know that in the end, sadly, you know, America makes these left turns. But the problem with this left turn, um, and I was on the air all through the Obama years. I watched the, the rise of Reaganism and 20 million new jobs and the longest period of peacetime economic growth in history. And we watched the Trump economy. We watched energy independence emerge. We watched record low unemployment for every minority, every demographic group in the country. Conservatism works. And what it does is it is freedom. It is liberty. It is an opportunity society to bring your God-given talents, natural rights to fruition. You know, we're endowed by our creator. That implies natural God-given rights, not governmental rights. But, you know, government and its best state, Thomas Paine said, is a necessary evil in its worst state, an intolerable one. What they are describing, it is 101 socialism, and socialism always fails. Always, without exception. These promises of false security, this is not the first time this has happened. That's the whole purpose. Socialism, a history of failure. Uh, America has worked, as imperfect as it is, but the system also allows for people to right wrongs, correct injustices. We've done so much to achieve that. We have so much more to go to become a more perfect union, but it's always been and always will be a process because of the imperfections of, of human nature. We, you know, we're, we are flawed. We are a fallen being. Uh, that's where my religious values come in. And if you take that premise, but we, can't, we have a propensity for good and a propensity for evil. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short. Uh, we also have an ability to tap into our higher self um, and find that God-given potential. And many Americans have, and as they have, they've, they've created goods and services that have transformed the world and, you and know, that, advanced see, the human condition. That's the thing that you always point out. It's like we all have these God-given talents, the ability to do amazing things and to build things and to create things that helps for American prosperity to move and propel this country forward. And all of these people from all over the world want to come and live here because it's such an amazing country, because it is the land of opportunity. You have the chance to do whatever you want in your life. And now we have people saying they want to take away everything that you've earned and everything that you've done because you seized upon your opportunity 
Nobody told you you couldn't do it. This person just happened to do it and do it better. Maybe that's, you know, the art of competition, the ability to learn and grow from knowing that somebody else is trying to do what you're doing, make you want to do better. Now it's everybody's got to get a gold star. You know, everybody's got to take the private wealth and we don't want anybody to have more than this person. Oh, well, until it's you. When it's you, it's okay. I'm like, make sure you're paying very close attention to what's happening because you're all carrying an iPhone and you're all posting on YouTube and these are all corporations that are running this. You're not even realizing the hypocrisy, the paradox in which you're living in. It it is, that's a tipping point. This is the moment, you know, and this is now 109 days away and this is real and the consequences will be real. All right, that's going to wrap things up for tonight. I'll be on with Harris Faulkner for a special on Sunday night, 10 o'clock After the great one, Mark Levin at 8 o'clock Sunday night, Fox News. We'll see you then. Have a great weekend. When we come back on Monday, just 106 days till you decide.